Welcome to the new pod alert. This is Kellen Rowland, and this is the Kellen Rowland Show. Thank you for tuning in. Let's go. Let's get it. Let's. Well, technically, you're just going to sit there and listen. I'm going to chat and whisper sweet nothings into your ear. Let's do this. So, today, what I want to talk about is fear of missing out. It's very topical today because it's Coachella and... Well, you're either at Coachella or you're not. I am not at Coachella, hence me being in my kitchen recording this podcast. And I have mixed emotions about it. If I could snap my fingers and just be there and, you know, literally just be, you know, with my friends there, I would be there, I think, in a heartbeat. Packing, driving, traffic. Uh, well, I mean, your actions create, you know, how you feel. So clearly, all of that prohibited me from going. And, you know, the thing that is, it just popped in my head right before I hit record just now is, you know, I get so laser focused on work and and also my mom you know I, I I help take care of her but then work is like you know that's my you know I don't know if I really believe in the whole concept of like work-life balance because like my career is my life and I like it that way so when things are happening at work and I'm laser focused, whether it's a presentation or, a, you know, we're selling a season in or we have a strategy meeting or some sort of a pre- presentation, that's where my mind is at. And what I'm realizing is that I, I can't even allow myself sometimes to think about what I'm going to do the following week, which is kind of scary. Like I didn't even realize it was Coachella, you know, it just kind of like crept up on me a couple of days ago. One of my coworkers, uh, you know, we had some tickets that were, you know, we had some tickets available and said, Hey, you know, do you want these tickets or, you know, what should we do with them? And I was like, Oh shit, Coachella's next weekend, which meant that I hadn't planned to go or anything like that. And, you know, I think up until the day the festival starts, I have no really desire or intention to go, but then, you know, you see, you know, your friends there having fun or you see SZA, you know, performing or whatever you see on, you know, social media, you know, you're like, oh man, I wish I was there, but then the process of going there. So, you know, I guess my kind of question or, you know, what I'll be diving into is just in today's day with so much access to social media and, visibility on basically everything that's going on with every person that you either know or choose to follow or connected to, or a friend of a friend or a friend, or, you know, however the social media algorithm chooses to put things in your face, 
that awareness of knowing everything that's going on, it, it has a, it has an ability to cause a certain chemical reaction inside us, inside of me, I imagine inside of you, but I can only really speak for myself, you know, and you get that feeling of like, oh man, I wish I was there, you know, like, oh, my buddies are there. And, you know, I think the Coachella thing is obvious and, you know, we'll talk about that a little bit, but just even thinking back a couple of weeks ago, you know, we were in the middle of a, you know, we were doing a, a presentation for work. So I was obviously in the office for, you know, Monday through Friday, which generally I'm in the office Monday through Friday if I'm not traveling. And my other really good close friends, they had just kind of taken a spur of the moment trip up to Mammoth. And I was like, damn, like there's really no way I can go because I have prior obligations. But, you know, seeing them all there hanging out like that was like it was like a legitimate, you know, feeling of FOMO because you're like, you know, you know that if you've hung out with that group of people or you've done that before, you know, the late night conversations, you know, the early morning coffee and just all the little nuanced things that happen when you're hanging out with people that you love and, you know, you want to be there because, you know, those memories are the things that, you know, make me happy. You know, all the things in between the memories are, quite nuanced in my opinion, you know, material things, things you eat, just the process of life and the journey. But, you know, it's the little things that's, you know, they stick out like a friend telling a story for 20 minutes that, you know, you're super into or you think is really funny, or you end up playing some sort of a, you know, competitive card game and, you know, everybody just gets super competitive for like an entire weekend and you're, you probably never play the game again, but for that weekend, like winning that game becomes the most important thing. And, you know, all those little interactions are what I personally, uh, that's the thing that, you know, the missing out of, you know, for me, you know, I think, there's the other side of missing out or the FOMO, which is, you know, was I there? Did I get seen there? Am I a part of the vibe? Like, you know, am I going to have my picture at this specific pool party to let everybody know that I'm in the in crowd and I was on the guest list and all those things, which are a part of this, they don't rank that high for me as far as for my value scale. I don't, I try to not care about being at certain events just so that people can see me there. But the, the byproduct of being at those events are the fun conversations and random meetups and occurrences that you don't really plan for. So when you're in LA and it's Coachella and you know, for me, you're like, Oh man, should I have went? Cause The other thing where I think FOMO, especially how you can, you know, either hear about it in the media or read about it online, it can be perceived as this very, this very kind of like shitty emotion, like, oh, FOMO, like you wish you were there. And it's almost like reduced down to being somewhat insignificant, but I don't really look at it like that because we all have so many responsibilities to be adults, to be parents, to be children, brothers, sisters, cousins, friends, 
And then you have your job, you have your career, you have your school. And, you know, in America, we are very, we're very work all the time. Don't ever vacation. If you're not grinding a hundred million miles an hour at all times, you're a fucking loser. I mean, that's like kind of what you could feel like if you go on to any kind of social media and like look at people that are being propped up as, you know, this generation's great entrepreneurs, you know, they, you know, you have meetings all into the night and, you know, when do you sleep? I mean, I don't know. I like my sleep personally. Um, seven hours, please. Ideally in bed at 11 PM and up at 6 AM. That's my personal schedule that I like to keep. But my point being is that contextualize in a certain way, fear of missing out sounds kind of stupid. Like, oh, you wish you were there because you wish you were being seen or you wish you were kind of like getting the credit for being there. But really, we all crave and need human interaction, you know, and it's like hanging out with people, being in a crowd, listening to music. Those things are very, very akin to being happy and being healthy and being stress-free. You know, where I'm going to kind of take this next is, you know, what are the effects on me personally and potentially you when you're on social media and you're kind of watching other people present their best version of their life and because it's a presentation and you're only seeing this really sliver, you know, this this really quick, you know, like snap of what could be their life or isn't their life or is their life. Well, if you're thinking that that's their life all the time, then you're, you know, generally you're going to feel inadequate. Like you're not living up to that high level curated. My life is perfect persona or social media brand or profile that people put out there, right? And it's really difficult because if people only saw the best things in my life, the only the perfect moments, then they would probably think, oh man, like your life is great. You know, you eat at nice restaurants, you drink nice coffee, you get to go to Laker games, you have great friends, you get to travel and hike and all of that stuff is great, but do I post on my social media last Saturday when I, my phone rings and it's 7.30 a.m. and my mom's in the hospital? You know, is that, a, is that an Instagram-worthy story? I mean, that's the other side of life that, you know, we're not really so, we're not so eager to share that side of our lives, but we want to share these perfect moments. Um, I will make sure to very clearly articulate my mom is okay. She was in the hospital for a couple of days. She's fine. She's happy. She's healthy. I love you, mom. But just to close the loop on that, I don't want to leave any kind of, you know, unnecessary cliffhanger. But so the choice is, or the question is, what do we share? What's worth sharing? You know, you want to share that photo that, you know, proves that you're there and you want to show the perfect photo of your coffee and all these things. But do you share the other side of your life that, you know, is shitty or when you are puffy and your eyes are red and you don't look perfect? 
the interesting thing is as much as the world is craving this perfection, I'm finding out that the more honest and the more transparent and the more authentic I am, people gravitate towards that. You know, not being perfect is actually an advantage, which I'm really happy that I'm learning that and figuring out how to use that to my advantage. Because at the end of the day, we all have unique qualities, some good, some bad, that make us who we are. So how do we celebrate those? And that's really it. You know, how do you celebrate the things that make you unique? I think that's really important. And, you know, how do you balance out, you know, the, maybe the desire to kind of be everywhere and do everything with what's realistic, but how do you also make sure that you, you do carve out enough time with your friends and your family to do those things, right? To like have those experiences. I, I don't know who said it, but actually, was this Denzel Washington? He said something to the effect of, you never see a hearse with a U-Haul behind it. And I really love that. And I, that really resonated with me because we don't take all of these things that we buy and these material objects that we, you know, seek out. We don't take it when we die. We don't, you know, well, we don't really know what we have, what happens when we die, but we at least know that we're not buried with it. So we can all agree on that fact. So knowing that we don't take all these things and, you know, all these material accumulations have momentary value. And another way to know how valuable material objects are is like, think about any time that you've done any type of like spring cleaning or donating. You will go through your closet, your drawers or your garage or whatever, your cabinets, and you will find, and I personally will find endless amounts of things and possessions that at one time I thought were so important that I could care less about that have zero material value to me at all. So it's another way to kind of illustrate the fact that we don't actually need all these things and care about all these things. But like, where am I going with this? Right. We do need the experiences we do need the memories. We need the, we need the jokes, the laughter. I need it, you know, hanging out with my friends or my family and joking and playing games and enjoying food together and cooking together. Hands down the most important thing that, you know, I do in my life next to meditation. I think, uh, I always want to point out how important meditation is to me, but those experiences are so important. So you know, when you frame, when you frame the experience and the importance of the experience, like the feeling of FOMO doesn't feel as like, uh, I don't feel embarrassed to feel FOMO because ultimately you're, you know, I'm feeling like, Oh, I wish I was with my friends or, you know, and maybe I should have planned my week out differently, or maybe I should have just, you know, maybe I'm after this, maybe after this recording, I'll just get in my car and drive there. I doubt that because my buddy, um, 
who goes by the name of DJ Jules. His name is Jules. He's spinning at a, he's playing 45s tonight in Malibu. And though, you know, Coachella sounds really fun, going to listen to him spin 45s in Malibu also sounds absolutely amazing. So maybe that will be like, we'll call it mini Coachella. We'll call it the beach Coachella. By the end of this podcast, I will come up with some stupid ass name to connect the party tonight with Coachella. You know, it's kind of funny. Like I, (laughs) I did put on my social media, like a post of coffee and put Coachella. And then someone called me and was like, are you at Coachella? I'm like, no, that's my living room. I, it's the same exact photo that I put up every single day. So... But it is funny, the hashtag of no cella, which, uh, you know, it's a little passive aggressive, but I get it. I do uh, remember I have this super amazing photo of myself. I think it's me, Aaron, Dingo, and Tall at Coachella when we used to have this brand called DCMA. And uh, I'm going to post it on my social media and just get fucking roasted because I look like a fucking clown. But... Eh, you know, look, it's, it happened, you know, I mean, I'm embarrassed to post it, but it'll be kind of funny though. I look like a fucking idiot. That's just 100% facts. But at the time I thought I looked cool, which meant that not only did I think I, not only did I look like an idiot, I actually was an idiot. That's another interesting thing about growing up. It's like, you look back every six months or every year and you're like, oh man, was I wearing that? Was I doing that? Oh shit. Am I going to do that same thing about wearing all white? Oh my God. This is like a legitimate realization right now. No, I'm cool with the all white. On to the Los Angeles Lakers. They finished their season at a record of, they won 35 games, which was a significant improvement from last year. If you are an NBA fan and you know about the NBA, then you probably would agree that the Lakers are going to be very good in the next few years. As a diehard Lakers fan, as you know, dealing with the fact that the Lakers have been absolutely horrible for the previous four or five years, it's very exciting to have a young team with a lot of promise. Lonzo Ball, going to be an incredible point guard. Julius Randle, probably one of the most undervalued young players in the NBA. Brandon Ingram will fill up the stat sheet and always have an impact on the game and is going to only get better as he gets older. And Kyle Kuzma, the steal of the draft. He might be my new favorite NBA player. The dude is so confident. It is insane. He is the definition of confidence and swagger. He's incredible. So look at that. You know, the Lakers have a nice young core and we'll see what happens in the offseason. I'm not terribly worried about them going out and getting a huge free agent. I think they just got to build, continue to get these guys better and just add players as they see fit. I definitely would not be in the camp of giving away the entire team to grab one max player. I think that would be horrible, but we shall see. On to coffee news. I was talking to a buddy who had uh, listened to the podcast and he had made a good point where he was like, look, I think uh, it would be good if you could recommend some local coffee shops in LA to go get coffee. So I'll say right now, and you know, these aren't really new shops or anything like that. Well, actually, let me do two that you know of. So Blue Bottle, you're always going to get 
great coffee beans. I definitely would say go there. Their in-cafe service is great, and their beans are amazing, so I would do that. The other one is Verve, which, you know, I'm a big fan of Verve, and right now they have a Papua New Guinea that I would definitely go buy. They have it in their menu, so you can get it as a pour-over, or you can get the beans and take them home. And, you know, for me, what I like about my coffee is I make it black, uh, I like the fruity and the floral flavors. Don't be intimidated by coffee though. It's really easy to make coffee at home and make a good cup of coffee. Whether you're using an AeroPress or a Chemex or a V60, they're all just different brew methods. And essentially it's very basic. You're heating up water. Everyone knows how to do that. You are grinding some coffee beans. You just push a button you are weighing the coffee beans out. So you want to make sure you put the right amount of beans in. You put them into a Chemex or a V60 or some sort of a pour over machine. Well, not a machine, a pour over stand. And then you put that on a scale, you hit tear. So it's zero and you pour in a specific amount of water that relates to the amount of coffee beans that you've ground up. It's so simple, but I will tell you that once you do start making your own coffee at home, you will become addicted to the taste of quality coffee. So I definitely recommend that. So Blue Bottle and Verve, that's not really anything groundbreaking. A new coffee shop did open up in Silver Lake called Neon Coffee, like neon, like a sign. I would definitely suggest going there. The the benefit of Neon Coffee is they have great coffees on the menu, but unlike Verve and Blue Bottle where they only serve their branded beans, If you go to Neon Coffee, you can buy beans from all over the country. So I think they have Drop Coffee, which is, I think, from Scandinavia. They have Say Coffee from New York. And they have three or four other brands of coffee, and they continuously cycle them out. So if you want to get a little bit of a different look or a different taste and a different vibe, go to Neon Coffee. Then you could get a sampling of beans. The other thing that I'm doing a lot of is I'm going online and buying my coffee and I just go to the different roasters websites and the majority of them actually have Apple Pay built into their website. So I'm not sure if any of you have checked out with Apple Pay yet and you need to have it set up on your phone, but if you do have Apple Pay set up and the vendor who you're purchasing from has Apple Pay, it's literally one click. Like you hit buy, then you approve it, you're address, all your shipping information is already in there. And then boom, like three days later, four days later, five days later, depending on where it's coming from, you have your coffee. So those are my coffee recommendations. I would love to hear about what coffee you're drinking or send me some recommendations. That would be really fun. I'm always up to try any coffee once. I am still slowly flirting with espresso. I'm a little bit hesitant to get too into it because I don't know if I'm willing to give up the counter space to do it at my house. And knowing how I go about things, I probably wouldn't want like an automatic espresso espresso maker. I would want to get, you know, basically one that looks like it could be in a coffee shop, which, you know, that requires like a lot of like, you know, tuning and, you got to put a lot of work into espresso. I think a barista once had told me that if you're going to really do espresso at home, you need to, you know, pull or, you know, you know, they call it pulling, I believe, but you know, you're going to have to run a few shots of espresso in the morning just to calibrate it correctly, which 
sounds really cool, but not realistic from a time perspective, but maybe it could be like a weekend thing. Yeah, I'm really enjoying doing the show. I have not done a episode with a guest yet, and I think that's next, and I've been a little bit reluctant to it, but I'm a little bit, I don't know, I don't want to, I don't know if I'm ready to say that I'm running out of things to talk about, but I feel like I'm hitting a bit of a fork in the road where I need to either bring guests on or, you know, maybe go deeper into some topics but I really look at this kind of first season, let's call it. I think, you know, this would be episode number nine. It's the whole point of this is the podcast, as much as it's about, you know, whether you drink or you don't drink or unintended consequences of changing your, you know, your wardrobe to all white or, you know, the feeling of FOMO during Coachella. It's really, this is the story of me learning how to do a podcast and how to, you know, express myself and how to communicate and create something that I feel good about that I'm willing to share and, you know, put out there and share it with the world. And, you know, it's still scary. I'm not going to lie. It's not like every time I pick the mic up and hit record, everything that comes out of my mouth is just the God's, you know, it's not the gospel. I can tell you that, you know, there's a lot of bullshit that I've recorded too, that I just don't share. But yeah, it's the process in it's really great. And, you know, I, I think I say this every show, but the feedback that I get from people and, you know, having someone reach out and tell me that they identify or they understand, or they feel the same way. It's, uh, it's worth more than, you know, money, you know, and that doesn't mean that I'm saying that I don't need to make money and cause I have bills and obvious, but yeah, having someone tell you that, you know, Hey, what you're, what you're talking about, Kellen, it's affecting my life or it's helping me in my life. That's it. Cause every day I get help from my friends. I get help. I get help from other podcasts. I get help from YouTube. I get help from strangers. I mean, I'm kind of always open to learning and trying to figure out a better way or a new way to go about things. And so if I can be a source of that tip or that advice or that motivation to somebody else, you know, then it's like, okay, now we're doing, you know, now we're giving and sharing, right? That's, I think that's a really important thing. You want to be able to give back and you want to be able to contribute and you want to be able to participate. And the question that I ask as I go into every situation and every interaction is, am I adding value? And the answer is not always yes. I mean, trust me, I'm far from perfect. But just having the awareness of trying to add value is really important. And that's really the whole purpose of this is can I add value to what you're doing? And, you know, can I be a source of inspiration or something that, you know, makes you feel like, hey, you know, that's another way to look at it or, hey, I agree with that. I'm going to do it that way. Or, Hey, I don't agree with that. I think you should do it this way. And that's fine too. I mean, you know, it's really cool that, you know, right now I'm getting a lot of people that say they agree with me, but you know, knowing that I have this little tiny chip on my shoulder, this might even be more engaging and more fun when people are like, dude, I don't agree with you. I don't see it that way. This is how it should be done. Cause that's fun, right? It's like, you know, a little bit of a healthy debate. Some healthy conflict is always nice, at least to me. All right. Thank you very much for tuning in. 
I'm recording this Sunday morning and wanted to give a quick update. I did make it out to Malibu to see DJ Jules and Dante Spin at Soho House. They absolutely crushed it. Impeccable taste in music and danced all night. Yeah, it was a lot of fun. And thanks for listening. Hit me up on social media at Kellen Rowland. Share the pod, subscribe to the podcast. Thank you very much. Have a wonderful rest of your day, and I'll be back soon with another episode. Till next time.